Thanks for joining us at Faith Bible Chapel. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and brings you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service, find a small group, or simply find out more about the church, stop by our website at www.faith.church. Today, is, as we continue from the book of Mark, is about really what we're looking into over the next week as leading up to Easter. And it's, it's going to be an amazing time for us. But as we continue in the book of Mark, I love this book because it's an account of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the Son of God. This is a real story about real people that Jesus transformed and changed their life. What we're talking about today is that Jesus also wants to transform and change your life. And what I love about the stories of the, in the gospel and the stories of the Bible, God changed people's lives, not just for the people, because in return, those people began changing other people's lives. And that's what God has for you. You were called to be in the service of God. You're called to be serving and working in the kingdom of God. And this is one of the purposes for us as a church, is that we would make a difference with our life. It's one of, a, one of the, our four core values that every person that calls this their church, that we would help you and we would teach that you can make a difference with your life. Jesus did this in so many people's life and Jesus wants to do it in your life as well. God didn't create you and put you on this earth just to have a mediocre existence. He called you to be a part of his kingdom, a part of his church. He wants to use you and that's what we're going to talk about today. You, are you guys ready? Today, Jesus comes on the scene. He begins to, to, to speak into some men's lives in a very unique, special way. And he begins to call out of them things that maybe they didn't even see themselves. Actually, I know they didn't see themselves. And I would say in this room, with a, a people this size, that, or with the number of people in this room, that there are, there are things in you that you don't even know exist, but God has deposited them in you. The enemy has told you your whole life, maybe you can't make a difference or there's too much in your past or there's too much um, mess in your life. But I want you to know today that it's alive from the pit of hell that God's called you to make a difference with your life. And he's called you to be a part of a church that wants all of us to make a difference together. And Jesus calls each of us to make a difference in this amazing area that's called his kingdom. And that's what we're called to make a difference in. And so we come to the story after Jesus was baptized, after, after he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, and he was in the desert, and then he came out of the desert, and he was walking along the Sea of Galilee, which is this beautiful sea in the middle of Israel. You can join us next year, 2020. We can walk on the shores together and really read the scripture where all these things happen. But he was walking along the Sea of Galilee, and he looks out, and he sees these men who were fishing, and this is the account that we come to today. What we don't know is, is all the details out of the book of Mark. We know in some of the other gospels. John the Baptist that baptized Jesus just a few verses earlier, he is in prison. And we come to this passage that Jesus goes to the Sea of Galilee. And we pick up in Mark chapter 1. We're going to be reading 14 through 20. It says, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen. Everybody say fishermen. So they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers 
of men. Now look how they responded to this call. They immediately left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further from there, or really along the the shore a little bit more, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in, in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee, poor, poor dad, right? Left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and said, Dad, I'm out of here. I'm following Jesus. And they went after him. And I want to look at two things out of this account today from the book of Mark and what they, what can they, what, how they can be applied to our lives, to your family's lives, to your children's lives, to us as a church called Faith Bible Chapel. And this is what God has for us. But the first one I want to look at is this very simple one, which is the call of Jesus. We talk about the call all the time. People say, well, I'm called to this and I'm called to that. And that might be very true. But there's actually a foundational call of Jesus that we're going to look at. Because without this foundational call that we understand why you were called at all, many times there's, 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 a, there's a manifestation of the call, but there's a motive behind the call. And that's what I want to talk about. What is the motive of the call? But this is what Jesus simply said to the, to the disciples. This is what he simply says to you today, no matter where you are in your journey with God. And this is what he says, two words, follow me. Let's say that together, follow me. Now I want you to notice when Jesus calls the disciples, when Jesus calls you, when Jesus calls anyone on the face of the planet, he doesn't say follow rules. He doesn't say, he, he, he says, follow me. He doesn't say, follow a bunch of laws, follow a bunch of rituals, get your life in order, then come after me. It is, it is a simple call to follow Jesus. Because salvation is not about being good. Because my friend, you cannot be good without Jesus. All of us are, are, we, are we are at Absolute total depravity, meaning we can do nothing good on our own. We can do good things, but the reality is we are not good without Jesus Christ. That's what we need to understand in all of us, that, that the gospel of Jesus Christ isn't to make you a better you. It's actually to do away with the old you and make you a new you in Jesus Christ. And Jesus doesn't say follow rules. He says follow me. Salvation is not about getting baptized. That does, it isn't what saves you. Salvation is entering the call of Jesus Christ and actually following him. Making a decision, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. And once you do that, once you put your faith in him, that he died on a cross and arose from the dead, and you begin to follow him, that's what's called salvation. But there's more to it than just salvation. This is a call to discipleship. It's a unique call. Actually, in the, in the rabbinical schools of the day, a person back in the day of Jesus, a person that wanted to be a disciple of a rabbi would go to the rabbi and would essentially apply to be one of the rabbi's disciples. And the rabbi would pick kind of the cream of the crop, the best of the best. But that's not the way Jesus calls people. He was a rabbi, but here you see Jesus doing it backwards. Here you see Jesus going to the disciples, going to Peter, James, and John, and Andrew. He went to them, and he said, I want you to follow me. The call of Jesus is totally different, and that's what happened to many of us in this room. 
We heard the call. Jesus, the Holy Spirit convicted us of our sin. We recognized we need Jesus. We gave our life to Jesus. But you didn't do anything to be saved. The scripture says if you could do something to, 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 actually you cannot do anything to be saved because if you could, you could boast about it and be like, see, I did this, therefore I'm saved. The gospel of Jesus Christ says you can do nothing to be saved. All you can do is receive what's already been done for you. And Jesus seeks them out and he seeks you out today to come and follow him, to have absolute allegiance to him, not to the law, not to a system, not to a person, not to an organization, but to Jesus and to Jesus alone. That's what it means to follow Jesus. And so Jesus is looking, and he was looking then, and he's looking today for men and women who will learn from him, who will deny themselves, who will take up their cross, meaning this, who will lay down their rights, who will lay down their, want, their wants, who will lay down their conveniences, who will lay down the American dream and say, Jesus, I will follow you no matter where it takes me, no matter what it costs me, I will give you everything, including my life. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So many times today, the American dream church says, follow Jesus so you can be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Do I think God wants you to be blessed? Absolutely. Does that always manifest itself as a full bank account and never be sick and never be persecuted? No. Jesus actually promised, if you will follow him, he said, hey, boys, come here, let me tell you. If you follow me, I want to give you a couple promises. One, the world hated me, so they're going to hate you. Okay, thanks, Jesus. Also, you're going to get persecuted for my name's sake. Okay, awesome. That's great. That's what it means to follow Jesus. That's what it means to lay your life down. That's what the disciples were saying yes to. So it's important that you understand what are you saying yes to when you say, yes, I will follow you. You're saying, Jesus, I will come. And I will die. But I will tell you this. If you're seeking adventure, if you're seeking the, the ability to make a difference with your life, if you're seeking what you all of us desire deep in our hearts, that my life would count for something, if you'll say yes to Jesus, then you will say yes to all of those things that you desire in your life. Here's, here's the amazing thing about the call to follow Jesus. And I love this. There are no parameters on who can follow Jesus. No parameters. The call of Jesus is about his grace. It's about his goodness. He doesn't tell those he calls to change before they follow. He doesn't do that. He doesn't say, get it right and then come follow me. He says, follow me and then I will help you live the life that you truly want to live. I'll help you get things right. Jesus finds those he calls where they are. Jesus went to where the fishermen were and he simply says, Come and follow me. And this is also what he says. He says, I want you to come as you are. As you are. But I want you to come. But I want you to come right now. And notice how they came right then. They didn't say, hey, let me help my daddy, Zebedee. Let me help him finish up this work. No, no. They left poor daddy right there on the boat by himself with the hired servants. And dad was like, hey, 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 where, where are you going? And they were gone. They left the boat. Peter, James, and John, they left. They said, I'm out of here. 
because the one who calls me is greater than anything else I could ever do in my life. All of us are looking to make a difference with our life. The problem is we confuse what making a difference really means. We think, you know what, if I can just get that promotion, then I'll really make a difference. If I can just sit at the, at the big boy's table, then I'll make a difference. If I can just get recognized and, get, a, and get, get influence, then I'll make a difference. And so we chase all these things. And then at the end of it, we end up sitting at the big boy's table, but then we realize actually it was more fun at the kid's table. And you realize once you achieve what you think is success, what you think will make you make a difference, once you achieve it, you realize it's empty and it's hollow because you're, you're seeking something that God never called you to seek. It's like climbing the ladder of success and you get to the top and you say, I've arrived. But then you realize the ladder was leaned against the wrong wall that you just climbed. What does it mean to make a difference? And this is what we're going to talk about today. When we follow Jesus, we want to do what he does. And this is what, what you need to understand today. Jesus didn't come just to heal the sick. Jesus didn't come just to give some good teaching. No, this is, what, this is why Jesus came. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. My friends, that includes you. He came to seek and save you. He came to seek and save the broken world. He came to seek and save all that were lost whose destiny is hell. And when we follow him, our desires are shaped by his desires. They should be shaped by his desires. They should be shaped by his heart. They should be shaped by the very reason why Jesus laid his life down. They should be shaped by those significant foundational things. That is the foundation of why we do everything. That's why we do everything here at, here at the church is to seek and to save the lost. Yes, we are to be discipled. That's part of why the church exists. But why are we being discipled? So we can be equipped to do the work of the ministry. What is the work of the ministry? Jesus said it's to seek and to save the lost. Listen, you can do all kinds of programs and do all kinds of things. But if the motivation of what you do is not to bring Jesus Christ into people's hearts or not to bring the gospel to the lost and the hurting of the world, then my friends... It may not be the full message that Jesus wants you to be carrying. If the motivation is not that people might be saved, then what are we doing? Because we can love people. It's, it's the balance between love and truth, okay? We can love people all the time but never tell them truth and love them into hell. Or we can have all truth and no love and drive them away from Jesus. It's this balance of truth and love. Truth and love. And that's what Jesus came to bring, to show his love and to also preach the truth. And so we want to be fishermen, just like the disciples. And here, here's what's very interesting about this, this teaching is a lot, I, a lot of times you think, you know, Jesus just called them to be fishermen, and, and maybe this doesn't have any other context in the Old Testament. It actually does. In the Old Testament, when, when the Scriptures spoke about fishing for people, it was all in the context of carrying out God's judgment against them. 
Look at Jeremiah chapter 16. It says, behold, I will send for many fishermen. You think, oh, maybe this is like the disciples. Hang on, says the Lord. And they shall fish them, move to verse 18. And first I will repay double for their iniquity and their sins because they have defiled my land. They have filled my inheritance with the carcasses of their detestable and abominable idols. That doesn't sound very gracious. That's the judgment of God. That's before Jesus Christ. But also it speaks of other fishermen. In Ezekiel 29, talks about God's judgment against Pharaoh. And what God was going to do to Pharaoh was put a fish hook in his mouth, drag him from the Nile into the desert to die. Amos chapter 4 speaks of evil people being taken away with, guess what, fish hooks. And now, here's Jesus. It's a new day. It's called the grace of God. Jesus, did, Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save the world. And this we begin to see the tools of the Old Testament that brought forth judgment are now being used in the New Testament to bring forth God's amazing, tremendous, beautiful grace through his son, Jesus Christ. And now Peter, Andrew, James, and John are being called to fish. They're, they are fishermen they know the language. They understand what Jesus is saying. And here, here's, here's the reality. He didn't tell them to go fish for fish. He said, I want you to go fish for men. And they are now called not to bring forth judgment on the earth. They are called to bring forth his grace and to give life to the hurting and to the broken. This is the call to all of us today, my friends, is all of us are called to go fishing. It is time to go fishing. Jesus wants to use whatever gift you have, whatever you already know to bring people into a relationship with him. For instance, here's, here's what he might say in your profession. And I don't know what it is today, but if you're a CPA, he might say, follow me and I'll show you how to help people balance their lives. If you're a banker investment, he, investment advisor, he might say, follow me and you can tell people about the best eternal best investment they'll ever make in their life. If you're a teacher, he might say, follow me and I'll teach you eternal truth. If you're a physician, he might say, follow me and I'll show you how to practice spiritual healing to the lost and the broken of the world. If you're in sales, he might say, follow me and you can sell the world's greatest product, which is eternal life. If you're a builder, you might say, follow me and I'll, I, I, you will show people how to build their home in heaven. If you're a dentist, God might say, follow me, and you can fill the void in people's lives. <laughs> Whatever it is that you do, Jesus wants to use you. He wants to use you to bring people to his son, Jesus Christ, into a relationship with him. So what would he say to you? I don't know what you do. You can think about that today. He would say, well, follow me, and you fill in the blank. So what is then the task of the called? And that's what, that's what we're going to focus on for the rest of this message today. What is the task of the called? Because we all have a task. Whatever it is, you are called and we're called to be in different aspects and different places and different vocations. But what is the task? What is the reason we are where we are? What is the reason that God set the people around you? What is that reason? What is your task? And it's this simple one. It's our task is to go fishing for the lost. That's it. Let's say this point together. Go fishing for the lost. Let's say it again. Go fishing 
for the lost. So I want to talk to you today as, as these disciples were skilled fishermen. How many here love to go fishing? Raise your hand. Man, there's a lot of us. Just so you know, I'm, I'm not joking. We actually have a small group starting this summer that is fishing. So if you want to join that, you can actually get online. You can find out. So you can go fishing together and you can pray, pray over the fish and get them saved and send them back. And Sorry, you can eat them. That's what God would say. But I want to learn. Le- so let's learn some lessons from skilled fishermen. If you were called to be a fisherman, and you are, or fisherwoman, however you would say that. If you're called to fish, and you are, if that's God's purpose on your life, and it is, what can we learn from skilled fishermen? Number one, if you're going to catch fish, number one, you need to go where the fish are. You can't live in a bubble all the time. Now, you use wisdom. You, you, you do things that, that help protect you. But you need to go where the fish are. You can't go fishing unless you're where the fish are found. You can't go fishing in a, in a pool that doesn't have any fish. People, we know this, people without Christ aren't running to the church. Maybe they did back in the day, but they don't do that anymore. So we need to go to where they are. We need to understand that you have a neighbor that doesn't know Jesus because God set you in that neighborhood so that you could reach that neighbor. You need to know that. You work a job and God's put the people around you so that you can begin to reflect Jesus Christ to them with the intent of Jesus coming into their lives. And I know there are different tasks. I know that there are different methods and all that. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But the whole idea, we're to go to where the fish are. That's why the great commission of Jesus begins with what word? Go. It's an action. It, we, we, we're a part of something. Luke 14, Jesus is, he compares the kingdom and, and really the kingdom of heaven to a man who's throwing a party. And he, he invites a bunch of really special VIP guests, but they don't show up because they got a lot of excuses. And so then from then, what happens, Jesus says, I want you to go out into the highways and to the byways and to the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. This whole thing of reaching people is to be, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a direction of action that we're to go out. We're to reach people for Jesus. God wants his house to be full. God wants this house to be full. God wants his kingdom. God wants the churches in this area to be full. But my heart, what I believe is God, God doesn't want the, this house to be filled with people from the church down the street. He wants this house to be full of people who are lost, who are dying, who are broken. And without Jesus, their destiny is hell. Jesus said, I come for the lost and the broken of the world. Now, I want you to go out and reach them. That's what we want in this house. That's what we want sitting in here with us. People who are lost and are broken and come to Christ and then become a part of our community, then are discipled through our small groups. Then they can know God, they can find freedom, they can discover their purpose, and they also can make a difference. God wants this in our lives. Second thing we can learn from skilled fishermen is number two, we need to learn how fish think. We gotta learn how fish think. When you're going fishing, and you walk up to a stream or a pond or a lake, you don't come crashing up to the water just like with a lot of loud noises. Why? Because they're, they're going to they're gonna swim away. Because when you come up crazy, what happens is they swim away from you. They get scared. And you don't have a chance of catching one. 
So if you're going to reach people for Jesus, you need to understand where they're coming from. You need to understand where they're at. Yes, I know 20 years ago, people had a different starting point in their journey with God than they do today. 20 years ago, there was probably a knowledge of God or a knowledge of the word or a reverence of God and a reverence of the Bible, but that's not the case anymore. We can, we can pitch a fit about that or we can adapt our methods and reach more people for Jesus. That's what we need to do. But we got to learn how they think. We need to study our culture without buying into the culture. Listen, you don't have to become a fish to know how a fish acts. You don't have to become a lost person to understand a lost person. This just means you should intentionally make friends with people, intentionally reach out to them, love them, serve them. And here's the reality, really the longer you follow Jesus, it just naturally happens, the more your friend base is Christians. There's nothing wrong with that. But we also need to know that God's called you to be salt in a dying world. He's called us to be light in a world of darkness. Jesus was a friend of sinners. He was a friend of sinners. He ate with sinners. They even accused him of being a glutton and a drunkard. But he didn't care. Because he was walking out the purpose of why he came to this earth. And that is to reach the lost, to save the lost and the broken. That's why he came. That should be our same motivation as well. And he responded, though. What happened is the Jewish leaders at the time, they were criticizing him. I I would be willing to bet if Jesus was alive today and he was hanging out with the type of people he hung out then, that he would be criticized by the church, by the religious leaders. Not everyone, but many would do that. But Jesus responded to the Jewish leaders and he said this, I have come so that the sick people can be healed. I've come because it's the sick people that need a doctor, not the well people. And so here's the reality. We are different. We, we We need to, we know that we are different. We know that we are light in the midst of darkness. But here's the deal. You have a light in you that other people need around you. We need to be wise about how we reach people. We need to be more clever. We need to be more savvy. We need more perspective of where they're coming from. Listen, if you're going to reach Muslims like our missionary friends do, you, got, you have to understand where they're coming from. If you're going to reach atheists, you have to understand where they're coming from. If, if, if you're going to reach people over society that are hurting and broken, you need to know where they're coming from. And that's, called what, that's what Jesus did. He came among, of us, among us. He became one of us so that we would know that he knows what it's like to be us. So we just need to be shrewd at reaching the lost. We need, we need to know that, that we need to bring people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and I know you feel like, okay, Jason, I get it, I get it, I get it. But this is so important for us to understand. And I know today it's not politically correct to say, listen, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you are going to hell. I, I know that. I know it's very difficult. I, I, I know it, it's, it doesn't make you feel, you know, warm and fuzzy. But the reality is this, every single person on the planet without Jesus is going to hell. It doesn't matter where you are, where you came from, what bloodline you are, it doesn't matter. Scripture is very clear, without Jesus, your destiny is hell. So what does that mean for us? It means that God's called us to be a champion of the greatest hope and message on the face of the planet. 
We should never be ashamed of the message of Jesus Christ. We should always share it. It should be a part of all that we are because we are a product. We have been saved by the same grace that we are offering to someone else. But Jesus said that he came to seek and to save the lost. That's why we do what we do. Another lesson we can learn from a skilled fisherman is one, we need to use, number three, we need to use different methods at reaching the fish. There are a lot of ways to catch fish. You can use a net, you can cast a net, you can use a trout line, you can skin a buck, country boy can't survive. Never mind, we'll just move on. Who caught that reference, anyone? There's like seven of you, never mind. There's all, all, there's all these ways that you can, that you can catch fish. I, when I, growing up, I used to go fishing with my brothers a lot, my dad. And uh, we would do this thing called jugging. I know it sounds weird, but let me explain it. We'd save all of the milk jugs, the plastic milk jugs, and we'd save them all. And then we'd go in the evening time to a pond or, or a lake, usually a pond because they're easier to contain. And you would, you would seal the milk jug and you'd tie a fishing line from the handle of the milk jug down about, just depending on how deep you want it, you put a hook with some bait on it. Then you get in a boat and you go out and you drop the jugs all in the pond. And then you, then you go back to the shore, you build a fire and you eat hot dogs all night. It was wonderful. <laughs> and you'd sit out there and, and it was great. I, has anyone ever went jugging? Oh, you have? Yes. Okay. I don't know if it's legal or not, but anyway, we used to do it. And it was so fun. It, it was it, what's called being lazy and still going fishing. That's what, really what it is. But we'd catch fish and you'd hear the jug popping on the water and you know, I got a fish there. And, got, and you'd, you'd go out and you'd take the fish off and drop it back and, you know, you'd go hang out back on the shore again, eating more hot dogs. And so it was, it was a great, great thing. But there are tons of ways that you can reach and you can go fishing and you can reach people as well. But when it comes for reaching people for Jesus Christ, good fishermen use a variety of methods. I, I just watched this Netflix film on, uh, on Billy Graham. If you haven't seen it, let me encourage you. It is amazing. I just wept through the whole thing. But for more than 60 years, Billy Graham preached huge crusades around the world. He, he, his ministry was singularly focused and that was the gospel of Jesus Christ. He, he never bought into the political side. He never, he just stayed true to the gospel. When he had the opportunity to drive a political agenda, you know what agenda he drove? He says that all men are fallen and, and going to hell without Jesus Christ. All men are empty on the inside. All men need Jesus Christ. And he would just preach the gospel constantly. But he had a huge net. Actually, one time he preached to a million people in India. But he had a huge net. But we're not all like Billy Graham. Not everyone's the same. And this is what I'm going to encourage you today. You don't know. Listen, we're not all Billy Grahams. I wish we were. That'd be great. But the world would still have a hole in it because the world needs more than just Billy Grahams. Not two people are, are alike. Your gifting isn't alike. How God uses you isn't alike. There's no single approach to personal evangelism that will work. That's why God has made us all different. Different people need different approaches. The same strategy won't work for everyone. That's why God made you the way that you are. That's why God placed the people around you that he's placed around you. Because he wants you to make a difference with your life. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians. 
This is very interesting. He says this, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. What is he saying? He's saying I throw different lures depending on who's around me. I fish differently depending on who I'm reaching. And he had one approach when he was talking to the Jews. He had another approach when he was talking to the Gentiles. He had one approach when he was, uh, when he was in Athens, Greece, that he spoke intellectually to the, to the high philosophers of, of the day. He even quoted one of their own poets to share with him the gospel. And the last thing that we can learn from skilled fishermen is this. We need to keep fishing even when we don't catch anything. Skilled fishermen keep fishing even when they don't catch anything. Good fishermen are patient. And I'm not good at patience. But good fishermen are patient. If they don't catch fish after the first 20, 30 catches, they don't load up and go home. They keep casting. They keep, they keep throwing. They try by this tree and they reel it in. They try by this bank, they reel it in. They change the lure. They ride it. They do top water. Then they do a spinner. Then you do a little jig. And they, you, keep, you keep fishing. And you keep reeling it in. And you keep trying. Professional fishermen will tell you it's about the number of casts that you can get out there. As many as you can possibly get out. That's, that's when you can really start making a difference. And you cast over here and you reel it in. You cast over there. I used to watch this fishing show. Um, I don't remember the guy's name, but when he would catch a fish, he'd always, he'd always go, ooh, son. And he'd reel it in every time. <laughs> Catching fish is fun. Reaching the lost is fun. We should be excited about this. Listen, if the angels in heaven can celebrate when someone comes into the kingdom of God, I believe we can celebrate too. Amen? It should be the motive of everything we do. Same way, why do we feed the hungry? We feed the hungry so that they might know Jesus Christ and be saved. That's why we do it. Listen, if, if we don't, if we feed the hungry and, and just think we're just going to love them, we're just going to put food in their belly. Listen, that is not what we're called to do. We're called to put food in their belly with the purpose of being able to share the gospel to them. If we're going to serve our Jewish friends, we just don't serve them just, just to serve them and serve them into hell. We serve them and we love them so that they would receive the message of the gospel. We would reflect Jesus Christ so the Messiah would land in their hearts and they could be with us in heaven. Amen? That's why we do what we do. That's why we worship. We, we have worship so that if people do come into our service that don't know Jesus, they are impacted by the love and the presence of Jesus Christ. That they want some of the, this God that has come near to them. That we would create an atmosphere that we can engage with the living God. The lost can engage with the living God. And we could all take a step further in our journey with God. That's why we do everything that we do. That should be the foundation of everything that we do. But we're to keep fishing even when we don't catch anything. Maybe move to another spot. Try a different bait. I'll tell you this, the Lord's just looking for a willing vessel. Remember, there's no parameters on being used of him. He's just looking for someone who says, Jesus, I, I'll do it. What happens is the enemy tells us that we're not good enough, tells us we're not gifted enough, 
tells us we're too broken, tells us the, the enemy leads, just feeds us a bunch of junk. But Jesus says, if you'll just say yes to me, I'll make you a fisher of men. Wherever you are, Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you. I will make you. In other words, it's a process. We're all not, we're all not at the same place. It's a process. All of us are growing in what it means to be a follower of Jesus. The longer you follow Jesus, the more closely you will follow him, the more he will make you into a fisher of men. But we're to keep doing it. We're to keep doing it. We're to keep pressing forward. We're to keep being patient. We're to keep trying. We're to keep changing methods. We're to, why? Because we want to bring as many people as possible into the kingdom of God. That's why our church exists. That's why we exist. We don't exist for any other purpose on this planet except to fulfill the great commission. is to preach the gospel and to make disciples. What's the vision of the church? Guys, please hear me. To preach the gospel and to make disciples. Yeah, but Jason, but really, what's the vision of the church? Let me tell you, it's to preach the gospel and make disciples. Yes, but what, what about this? What, no, hang on, hang on. What's the vision of the church? It's to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to make disciples in all of the world. That's the purpose. And people, you can be upset. Yeah, but I like this and I like that and I like, that's fine. But the purpose of this church is to preach the gospel and reach the world and make disciples. That's why we exist. Because I tell you this, our Savior came to this earth to save the lost and the broken. Listen, I'm a simple man. If I say, God, can you just tell me one thing that I can do? Maybe two things, I think I can handle two things. And I look at the life of Jesus and I say, that's actually why Jesus came, very simple. He came to seek and save the lost. Seek and save the lost. That's why we do what we do. Listen, when we get to heaven, it's not going to be about how many programs you ran and how many light shows we had. It's going to be about how many people did we bring into the kingdom together. And here's the beauty of of it all. We exist together. So that we're going to get to heaven, there's going to be people there that you didn't realize that you were a part of getting them there. You supported missions. You gave to the kingdom. You sowed into the life of this church. You, you, You spoke to people around you. And all of a sudden, you're going to realize, oh, wow, I sowed that seed. Someone else, someone else harvested. I didn't even know they did that. You're going to get there and they're going to say, thank you. Thank you for being true to the call of Jesus of follow me. Thank you for not trying to make it about you. Thank you for not trying to make it about your name. Thank you for not trying to make it about about all these other things. Thank you for keeping pure to the call of Jesus Christ. Because you did that, I'm here with you today. That's what this is going to be about. But I want you to know this. As we stay the course, stay the course of the gospel of Jesus Christ, God will bring forth fruit. God will bring forth fruit. I'm reminded of George Mueller, who was a great minister and evangelist. He was a great preacher in the 1800s. He lived in Bristol on the west side of England. And he ran an orphanage. And it says that he probably served over 100,000 orphans, which was amazing. 
but he was an evangelist. So there were, in his journal, he writes about five of his friends that were lost. And he would share with them all the time. And they rejected him. He prayed for them and prayed for them. Several months went by and he wrote in his journal that one of them got saved. Several years went by and another one got saved. Then all of them got saved except for one. 25 years from when he wrote in his journal. But what we know is that he had a friend who was a Christian and he knew that George Mueller was praying for this one friend. And at his funeral, over 25 years of believing that this, his friend would come to Christ, this friend got saved at George Mueller's funeral. The one he had been waiting on. And he was patient. He didn't give up. He didn't stop. He didn't throw in the towel. He didn't say, well, I'll just try something else or I'll just go somewhere else. No, he stayed the course. And that's what God encourages you to do. Stay the course. Be the light in the place that God's called you to be. Be the voice for those who need your voice. Serve and love those that need your service and love. Financially give to those and give to the church that that need it for the sake of the gospel. Let's stay the course. And let's keep our foundation, the root of why we do all things, is to fulfill the command of Jesus that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's our goal. How many are okay with doing that? Good. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to watch a service live online, you can join us every Sunday at 9 and 1045 a.m. at live.faith.church. For everything else, check our website at www.faith.church.